Section 33 of the Letters of Madame de Sévigné to her daughter and friends. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. Letter 104. Paris, Wednesday, January the 12th, 1689. You retired then at five o'clock in the afternoon. You drew the king and queen at dinner. You were in as good company as at Paris. It will not be my fault if the Archbishop of X does not know that you are satisfied with him. I informed Madame de Lafayette of this the other day, who was much pleased with the information. She enjoins you both to lay aside the spirit and way of thinking of Provence. But come to the King and Queen of England. It is so extraordinary to have this court here that it is the constant subject of conversation. The regulation of rank and precedency is to be attended to in order to render life agreeable to those who were so unlikely to be restored. This the king said the other day, adding that the English king was the best man in the world, that he should hunt with him, that he should come to Marly and Trianon and that the courtiers should habituate themselves to him. The King of England does not give his hand to the Dauphin, and does not reconduct him. The Queen has not kissed Monsieur, who was offended at this. She said to the King, Tell me what you wish me to do. If you would have me follow the French fashion, I will salute whom you please. But it is not the custom in England to salute anyone. She paid a visit to the Dauphiness, who was ill, and who received her in bed. No one sits in England. I believe the duchesses will follow the French fashion and behave to her as they did to her mother-in-law. Footnote, Henrietta of France, daughter of Henry the Fourth, and wife of Charles I, King of England, back to main text. We are greatly taken up with this new court. In the meantime, the Prince of Orange is in London, where he has imprisoned several lords. He is severe, and will soon make himself hated. Monsieur Schomberg is Commander-in-Chief in Holland in the room of this Prince, and his son is to have the reversion. So the mask is now completely thrown off. Letter 105, Paris, Friday, January the 14th, 1689. I have dined, my dear, and am now in the Chevalier's apartment. He is in his chair with a thousand little aches and pains that fly about him. He has slept well, but this confinement affects his spirits and vexes him exceedingly. I am grieved at it, as I know the ill consequences better than anyone. It is very cold. The thermometer is at the lowest degree. Our river is frozen. It snows, freezes and thaws at the same time. There's no walking in the streets. I keep to the house and to the Chevalier's chamber. If I could have an answer from you before the end of a fortnight, I would desire you to tell me whether I do not incommode him by staying with him all day. But as I have no time to lose, I put this question to himself, and I fancy he is not displeased at it. 
the weather is an additional cause of his illness it is not the sort he likes it is always unfavourable when it is extreme monsieur de gobelin is still at saint cyr madame de brinon is at maubisson where she will soon be tired she can never remain long in a place she has made many agreements and been in several convents her good sense does not screen her from this error madame de maintenon is much pleased with the comedy which has made her young ladies of saint cyr perform footnote it was superior brinon who first made the pensioners of saint cyr perform pieces of her selection they were ill-chosen sinner and afterward andromache were substituted in their room but there was so much love in this last tragedy and the young ladies played it so well that it was not judged proper for their representation this was what madame de maintenon wrote herself to racine at the same time desiring him to supply another poem moral or historical racine hesitated he wished to please the court but the public and posterity withheld him he deemed it impossible to fill the frame that was given him by a performance worthy of his music boileau too despaired of it racine thought of the subject of esther and his friend considered it well judged as it really was this very boileau the severity of whose taste and character made him so much aspersed gave in his regard for racine the most perfect example of friendship an example perhaps that will never again be met with between two men gifted with the same kind of superiority back to main text the comedy which has made her young ladies of saint cyr perform it will be a very fine piece according to report she readers note madame de maintenon back to main text has paid a visit to the queen of england who having made her wait a moment said she was very sorry she had lost any time in seeing and conversing with her and received her extremely well every one is pleased with this queen she has an excellent understanding she said to the king on seeing him caress the prince of wales who was a lovely child i formerly envied the happiness of my son in not feeling his misfortunes but i now pity him in being insensible to your majesty's caresses and kindnesses all she says is proper and to the purpose but this is not the case with her husband he has a great share of courage but his understanding is not above the common standard he relates what has passed in england with an insensibility that excites the same feeling for himself he is a good man and partakes of all the amusements of versailles footnote the archbishop of rheims brother of monsieur de louvois seeing him come out of the chapel of versailles said what a good man he has given up three kingdoms for a mass back to main text the dauphiness does not intend to visit this queen she wants her right-hand seat and chair of state which cannot be she will therefore be always in bed when the queen visits her 
Madame is to have an armchair upon the left hand, and the princesses of the blood are to visit with her, before whom they have tabarets only. The duchesses will be upon the same footing as at the Dauphinesses. This is settled. The king, knowing that a king of France gave a prince of Wales only a chair on the left hand, chooses that the king of England should treat the Dauphin the same manner and precede him. He is to receive monsieur without chair or ceremony. The queen has saluted him, saying to our sovereign what I told you. It is not yet certain that monsieur de Schomberg is to succeed the prince of Orange in Holland. This is a year of falsehood. Letter 106, Paris, Monday, January the 17th, 1689. My letter, then, is dignified with a title. This is a proof of its singular merit. I'm glad my story amused you. I can never guess at the effect my letters will produce, but this has been a happy one. If you sought an opportunity of coming to an explanation with the Archbishop, read its note, the Archbishop of X, back to main text, instead of suffering the misunderstanding which people endeavour to create between you to ferment, a short time would clear up the whole, or you would silence chatterers. Either of these is desirable, and you will find good result from it. You will put an end, it is true, to the amusements of the Provençals, but it is only silencing ridiculous impertinence. Monsieur de Barillon has arrived. He's found a family group with many of whose faces he was not acquainted. He's grown very fat and has said to Monsieur de Halle, Sir, do not remind me of my fat, and I will say nothing to you of your lean. He is very lively, much of the same disposition as his namesake, whom you know. I will pay all your compliments to him when they will not appear forced. I have done so with regard to Madame de Sully, who returns you a thousand with very good grace, and to the Countess, footnote the Countess de Fiesque, the constant friend of Monsieur de Lausanne, and who often performed the part of mediatrix between him and Mademoiselle, back to main text, and to the Countess, who was too witty upon Monsieur de Lausanne, whom she wished to raise to the pinnacle of honour, and who has neither an apartment at Versailles nor the free admittance he formerly had. He is merely returned to court, and his exploit does not appear so extraordinary, though a very pretty romance was at first made out of it. The English court is quite established at Saint-Germain. They would not accept more than 15,000 livres a month and have regulated their court upon that foundation. The Queen is very much liked. Our King converses very pleasantly with her. She has good sense without affectation. The King wished the Dauphiness to pay her the first visit, but she was always so conveniently indisposed that this Queen paid her a visit three days ago, admirably dressed, a black velvet robe, a beautiful petticoat, her hair tastefully disposed to figure like the Princess de Conti's and great dignity of manner. 
the king received her as she alighted and she went first into his apartment where she had a chair below the king's here she remained half an hour he then conducted her to the dauphiness who was up this occasioned a little surprise the queen said to her i expected to have found you in bed madam i wished to rise madam replied the dauphiness to receive the honour your majesty does me the king left them as the dauphiness has no chair in his presence the queen took her place with the dauphiness on her right hand madame on her left and there were three other chairs for the three young princes they conversed together for upward of half an hour several duchesses were present and the court was very numerous at length she retired the king gave orders to be informed of it and handed her back to her carriage i do not know how far the dauphiness went with her but i shall hear the king upon his return highly praised the queen he said this is how a queen ought to be both in person and mind holding her court with dignity he admired her courage in misfortunes and her affection for her husband for it is certain that she loves him as that hateful woman madame de r told you some of our ladies who wished to assume the airs of princesses did not kiss the queen's robe some of the duchesses wished to avoid it also but the king was displeased at this and they now pay her homage madame de chaune has been informed of these particulars but has not yet performed this duty letter one hundred and seven paris wednesday february the sixteenth sixteen eighty nine the chevalier is still at versailles but i expect him this evening the marquis dined with me the other day i conversed a good deal with him and i can assure you with much satisfaction there is an air of truth and modesty in all he says which does not in the least resemble the style of these thoughtless youths who always appear fools or liars he related to me all the fatigues of his journey to philipsburg which are very great little d'auvergne had the fever for four days from mere weariness the marquis is strong and bears this first trial with great courage he told me his other adventures gave me an account of all the blows that were given on each side of him and the contusion he received and this without ostentatious with a cool composed air of veracity which is highly pleasing i love to converse with him and lose no opportunity of doing it he supped yesterday with monsieur turgo and some young folks at the rich little la Matelière's. he returned at midnight he's gone to the horse market being wholly taken up with his company he will write to you to-night he loves you and knows your extreme affection you do nothing for him to which he is not as sensible as you can possibly wish it is not even necessary to rouse him upon this subject i dined yesterday with mademoiselle de Gualo. it was a company of wits the abbe de polignac the abbe de rohan his doctor abbe david and corbinelli after dinner they discussed very pleasantly the philosophy of your father descartes it was with great difficulty that they could comprehend the motion god gives of all that is pushed by another 
they would have it that the first communicated its motion. And you know how the Abbe Polignac and Corbinelli exclaimed upon the occasion. This diverted me, and brought my dear little Cartesian to my remembrance, whom even I could understand so readily. From thence I went to Madame de Lafayette's, where by good fortune I found only Monsieur de Pompon and Monsieur de Barillon. We spent two hours very agreeably, and the more so as we are seldom so fortunate. They say that the English Parliament has made the Prince of Orange king, because the former king has deserted his kingdom and broken the treaty between sovereign and subjects, that his flight is an abdication, that they are determined to render the throne elective, and that the Parliament would not allow the Princess of Orange to be queen. These were the reports of yesterday. The Chevalier will bring us news from Versailles. Some say, with regard to the King of England's apathy, that by hearing him talk, it is easy to guess why he is here. End of section 33